The design of the early gliders enabled them to fly in a limited speed range. And it wasn't until after the war that designs changed sufficiently to make flying into headwinds more feasible. Thinner plywoods and better glues meant that much better performance could be achieved with wooden gliders. Well, John, this is a, a K6, one of the classic gliders of the time, the early 1960s. It was a very, very popular glider. Why is it different and better than the, than the, the Sperber? Well, and it's a much cleaner design. It's uh, more sleek, the wings are thinner, the surface finish is much improved, and the overall design is much more aerodynamic. And what about the performance the well, on this? You normally can thermal between 40 and 45 knots in the K6, but flying between thermals, you can fly quite satisfactorily up to 60 knots without the performance deteriorating too much. That's great, so you've got some in-to-wind penetration. With it. Yes. In fact, I think that uh, they have now achieved a 500-kilometer triangle. In the K6? In the K6. Oh, very successful. Yes. Modern gliders, like this discus, are made of new materials such as fiberglass and carbon composites, which have the very important property of being able to hold water ballast. What performance can you get from, from the discus? We have a performance of 1 in 40 to 41. Glide ratio? With glide ratio, Very yes. Nice. With a speed of uh, 40 knots to 100 knots with no degrade in the performance. Tell me about your using water ballast in this. We can take 137 kilos of water in our wings and which we can dump through a little valve at the side here in four minutes just before we land. You'd think that gliders would want to be as light as possible. It seems strange to want to make a glider heavier than it needs to be. Look at the polar curve for the discus. When the wings are filled with water, the total weight increases and the performance of the glider alters. This change can be represented by an expansion of the curve away from the origin to give a new polar curve. In this way, speeds such as the best glide speed are effectively increased by increasing the glider's mass. But there are drawbacks to weight, such as the forces that occur on landing, and if a thermal is weak, you might wish to fly slower to make tighter turns. So the ability to dump water and return to the original performance is also required. When modelling performance in moving air, you are effectively manipulating the position of the polar curve with respect to the axes. For example, if you are flying in rising air, the curve can be thought of as moving up. In the case where you're flying through still air, your progress through the air is much the same as your progress over the ground. In other words, your ground speed matches your air speed. But fly into wind, and your forward progress over the ground will be less than the speed through the air. And the overall change is illustrated by translating the polar curve to the left. In other words, flying into, say, a 50-knot headwind with an airspeed of 80 knots will result in a ground speed of 30 knots. Drawing the tangent to this new graph shows you that the best glide speed is now around 85 knots for this headwind. <laughs> 